We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Dan Connick. My partner with me today is Chris Schimmel, as always. And today, our episode, we are talking entirely about why the Packers should trade both overall or uh, both first-round draft picks for Le'Veon Bell. That's what we're spending the entire episode talking about. We're talking about why they should give up the entire farm for Le'Veon Bell. Completely kidding, of course. Just have to see if I have to see one more person on Twitter tweet that the Packers should go out right now. Le'Veon Bell's available. Why aren't we trading our first round draft picks for Le'Veon Bell? God, you made me nervous just saying that. (laughs) I know. Man, I I was like, what? I couldn't. I I have a different scramble and I couldn't see Chris's reaction. But since I didn't hear anything, I was like, oh, he thinks we're serious. And we just spent about 10 (laughs) minutes off air talking about what we're going to talk about. And I bring up Le'Veon Bell. Now, No, uh, we'll we'll forget Le'Veon Bell even exists for right now. I mean, uh, even even after the Khalil Mack, now you're moving on to Le'Veon Bell. Like, I know. We, are, we already had our hearts broken once. Those, Don't bring up Bell. Some of the fans have those first-round draft picks burning a hole in their pocket, and they just want to go out and get somebody yeah. right now, no matter who it is. No, but before we get into our uh, talk this week, you might hear my voice is a little raspy. And the uh, course sounding is because I left it in section 135, row 37 of Lambeau Field on Sunday night. 
opening day has always been huge for my family. We've been going up to opening day for the Packers since 1988. And uh, the, probably one of the better opening day experiences that I had just obviously with the game being probably one of the better games that I've ever seen live. And then just there's always uh, – I don't live in Green Bay. I don't live in Wisconsin. I only go for Packer games maybe one, once, maybe twice a year. And uh, the experience is always the best. And this year, by far, one of the all-time greats. And the game, obviously, on Sunday had a lot to do with it. So uh, I'll try and speak a little bit quieter, hopefully, or maybe just a little bit less and let Chris (laughs) take this one all the way as we go through. But uh, touching on the game on Sunday a little bit, Chris, some of the fall, obviously, the Aaron Rodgers story, kind of the big he they kind of spoke on it for the first time today, dealing with the the sprained knee injury on that left one, the same that one that he's kind of had trouble with ever since he was kind of in high school. So hopefully that's kind of a, a trend in the positive direction that uh, they haven't come out yet with anything worse, but still obviously a lot kind of up in the air going into Sunday with Aaron Rodgers' knee. Yeah, you know, he said himself that, you know, when you're playing the game, a ton of adrenaline's coming in, so it's going to mask some of that pain when you're there, when you're under the lights. So then he said, of course, over the last couple of days, it's gotten really sore. Good news is, if something was torn and something really was serious, we would have heard it by now. Right. So exactly. I tweeted right afterwards, trying to be optimistic, probably just a tweak or a sprain turned out to be true. I didn't think that was true at first. Thank God. But yeah, it's come down to whether or not he's going to be playing against Minnesota. Cause guess what? He's not going to have that same amount of adrenaline going in right. to this game. So, you know, this is the third time that green Bay is playing a division opponent in the first two games of the season since the NFC North has been, been created. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen real quick. Just a, a hot take. Do you, what are your thoughts about people saying that Aaron Rodgers should sit out week number two? You know, that's such a tough, tough decision. You know, it's like you want him to go out there and you want to play. You don't want to start necessarily one and one, two and oh. It's probably the, you know, the best way you can start a season. Two wins against an NFC North opponent. And of course, sends a message that you're going to beat the Minnesota Vikings, a team that many think are destined for the Super Bowl. At the same time, those same people, if Rodgers gets hurt, they're going to look like absolute fools. You know, it's kind of like the Eagles with Carson Wentz. He's, he's still not going to play the second. Uh, game of the year Nick Foles is because they're really being conservative with them so I'm wondering if they should use that same approach with Aaron Rodgers because you know they use them in the pistol you know which means that there's going to be very limited of any all play action so it's going to be a little bit easier for the Vikings to game plan when they know what formation he's going to be in for, for most of the time so it's really really 50 50 for me I don't have the information the doctor has yeah, and I, I think, too, I, I think uh, some of the problem that Kaiser ran into, at least what I hope, is that he just wasn't prepared to take over in the second quarter of the, his very first game at Lambeau under the lights against a divisional opponent. So maybe if if it came down to a situation where you wanted to rest Aaron Rodgers, that you give Deshaun Kaiser time to prepare, maybe he looks a little bit more comfortable in that offense. Yeah, I I agree to some extent, but at the same time, Kaiser was a guy who played like every single game last year as a rookie. So it's not like Brett Hundley, who's never really started a game before and he comes out and has to rescue the entire season. Kaiser has experience. He should, 
you know, have been definitely better prepared than what he was at first. I thought yeah. he was doing all right. He was driving them down the field, but then boom, he, they end up with the, you know, the pick six, the turnover with the fumble. So I just, I still was pretty upset with how he, uh, how he played. That being said, they're really going to be playing, uh, really going to be preparing him for this next game. And as well as if he keeps playing the way he's playing, Tim Boyle is going to have to step up too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, everyone is on high alert now and next man up at every position. Definitely. We, we, today, we wanted to kind of touch on the opposite side of the field for the Packers because or at least for the majority of it, because a lot of the talk has been about Aaron Rodgers and rightly so Aaron Rodgers had probably a game that you would put in a top 10 list for his overall career, just with the magnitude of what it meant and how he came out and played. But defensively for the Packers had an amazing second half. And if they don't play the way that they did, there is no, redemption for Aaron Rodgers in the second half and focusing on how we match up or how the defense matches up for Kirk Cousins coming into Lambeau this coming week with the Vikings I I think really to lead off Vikings just in general winning the last three of the four matchups against Green Bay obviously two of those Rodgers not a big part of but I think Rodgers has Rodgers has always had problems with Mike Zimmer. Oh yeah, teams, even especially when he was with the Bengals. Yeah, the Bengals. I just remember 2013 when they blew a 30 to 13 lead. Yeah, and uh, I completely agree. And with the way the defense played in the second half, I I think that shows the how much influence Aaron Rodgers has. That I really felt he just lit a fire under everybody, and that got not just offensive players going, but defense as well. Because, you know, Rodgers told him, you know, you shut them out in the second half. We score three touchdowns. We're going to win. They gave up yeah. only six, two field goals. And, you know, uh, and I think the Bears had 148 yards on their first two possessions and then had like 146 over the next eight. So if they keep that going into Minnesota, hopefully they'll give Kirk Cousins our time. But Kirk Cousins, I really sometimes feel that he's people underestimate him, that he really had a little bit more success in Washington than people give him credit for despite the fact that, of course, you know, they never won the division. They lost to the Packers in that great playoff game. Mm-hmm. But he himself has played pretty damn well against the Packers when matched up against them, statistically at least. You know, uh, the last two games, Cousins against them, he's thrown for 704 yards, five touchdowns. And, of course, the last game, he had a passer rating of 145.8. And now he has this great defense behind him. And that's going to make him even more dangerous because he doesn't have to be great. He just needs to not make mistakes. Right. He almost kind of reminds me of a Matthew Stafford. I, I, well, obviously living in Detroit, I know a lot of Lions fans, but when I lived in Toledo, right over the border in Ohio, it's heavy with a lot of Lions fans. I went to school with a lot of Lions fans and I get into it a lot because I think Matthew Stafford is a very average just maybe slightly above average quarterback. And, you know, they tell me, no, 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 he's he's this and this. He's the best quarterback we've ever had. I said, well, that might be, but he needs something else with him to help him out because he's not a guy that can carry a franchise. If Matthew Stafford, if you plug in Matthew Stafford into the, the Vikings right now 
it's basically the same thing you would have with Kirk Cousins. They're both yeah. they're two aver- above average quarterbacks, and Monday night excluded, they don't turn the ball over a lot. Matthew Stafford in the last couple of years has done a very good job of getting rid of some <laughs> yeah. of those turnovers. Uh, uh, yeah, night yeah. excluded. Well, yeah, you made a really great point with Matthew Stafford because let's be honest here, Case Keenum took him to the NFC Championship game. Right. Matthew Stafford is better than Case Keenum. I mean, this so, is this is this is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the early two thousands, mm-hmm. carried by their defense. Carried by their defense, and yeah, do you even can you th- name the 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 quarterback of that Buccaneers team that won the Super Bowl? If you gave me time to think about it, I would know because I absolutely hated that team. I'm trying, <laughs> I I want to. Uh, I can't. I can't off the top of my head. I'm I know guessing, they beat Rich Gannon. Johnson, in the, it, I think you're right. I think Brad you're Johnson, right. Is that it? <laughs> but that should tell you exactly exactly what you mean because the first thing you think of when you think of that team is Warren Sapp. Oh yeah, and that in the whole and the rest John of that Lynch. team. John yeah. Lynch, yeah, John Lynch, great Barber, yeah. And that's what's worrisome to me because this Vikings defense they have the best third down defense this century. They allowed only twenty five point two percent on third downs, and they have about seven studs on defense. They have Eric Kendricks, Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin, Sheldon Richardson, Daniel Hunter. They're just absolutely loaded from top to bottom. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a bunch of studs. And then when you go offensively, they've really done a good job of moving parts around Kirk Cousins in this offense with, you know, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen. Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph. And Dalvin then, of course, Cook. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, who had a great year last year. I think they may have been a little conservative with them. He didn't do too high in the running game. You know, 16 carries for 40 yards against San Francisco, but six catches for 55 yards in the passing game. So now that, you know, he took some hits. So now I think they they know this guy's tough. Now we can really unleash him against Green Bay. So the linebackers for the Packers are really going to have their hands full, I think. Yeah, and I think if we're looking at the defense for the Packers, what are the what is the defense going to be looking at for this game against Kirk Cousins? How do you attack it? I think you found the blueprint for what to do against the Vikings in the second half of that Bears game. You put, you know, seven guys out into the secondary and put four guys, your you know, the four guys on the line and you let those guys run and you say, Kirk Cousins is not going to be the one that beats us. If anyone's going to beat us, it's Dalvin Cook. And that's what they did against the Bears. You let Tariq Cohen get some of those yards, but you absolutely shut down the passing game. And I think that if we're looking back on the Bears game and looking ahead to who's going to have to step up again this week, those corners, especially Kevin King, as someone that didn't get a lot of talk in the preseason because of being injured, had a superb game this past Sunday and I think is going to be somebody that will probably – take over a role of guarding that number one, number two receiver. You could see him on a Stephon Diggs in, uh, in the upcoming game on, on Sunday. Those cornerbacks last week played in a, a tremendous lockdown style and I think have to repeat that this week if you're going to have any way of, of shutting down Kirk Cousins. Definitely, and Jari Alexander too. Uh, he think he played really well against Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson uh-huh. had a great catch, but – 
I felt all Alexander had to do was turn his head around. But, I mean, hey, he played fantastic. Josh Jackson played fantastic. You know, out of the 70 defensive snaps, the Packers were in dime in 29 of them, and they were in dollar, which is seven defensive backs in 15 of them, which is a huge, hefty number for any team. So that's what I really, really enjoyed seeing is, you know, this doesn't look like Dom Capers' defense. It kind of did, you know, the first drive of the game when they gave up the touchdown. People, you know, I looked on Twitter, you know, the hashtag fire capers yeah. came back. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I see, wow, look at this. They have seven defensive backs in. They have more six defensive backs in. They're doing uh, a nickel, but without, but uh, instead of taking out a, a defensive lineman, they took out an inside linebacker. So they still had five on the line. And I'm thinking, I really like this. This guy's really mixing it up. He's showing different things. And he's going to have to do that against the Minnesota Vikings. And that's exactly right. That's the thing that was the mark on Capers was there was not a lot of changes to what happened in, you know, in between quarters or halves. There wasn't a lot of, you know, adjustments. And, you know, especially the one Josh Jackson seeing some more time playing against Allen Robinson in the second half really kind of took him out of the game, I think was huge. And just the different looks and blitzes that you got out of that diamond dollar packages, all of those guys can can blitz from almost anywhere. And while that's great, I, I think defensively the key this week, like I said, is going to be putting those guys into the secondary to shut down the passing routes but that means that you're relying on the defensive line. And I think the defensive line is the biggest key moving forward mm-hmm. into this game because Minnesota, if you're looking at anywhere they have a weakness, it's that offensive line. They're not very healthy. There's not a lot of continuity. And you know, looking back on some of the game film against Sunday, their game against the 49ers, there was, there was a lot of times where offensive linemen got pushed around and manhandled. And so – You've got a defensive line, which I think has something a little bit to prove when it comes to at least the pass rushing side of things, because they did a great job limiting the run game. Kenny Clark had a fantastic game. Muhammad Wilkerson, pretty decent as well. You've got to find a way to get pass rush with those defensive linemen. Yeah, because Kenny Clark and Wilkerson, when I think of those guys, I think of them as run stoppers. Yeah, really good at plugging the gaps. And Mike Daniels, I think you said before that he had like what 33, oh, 33 uh, snaps, thirty three snaps, and he's their best pass rushing defensive lineman. He's going to mm-hmm. have to be in there a hell of a lot more to really have an impact. And uh, so you know, if Kenny Clark and Wilkerson plug the holes, stop the run, force some third and sevens, third and eights, then have Mike Daniels and the pass rushers reign free. And uh, I also would like to point out that my most, the thing that really impressed me the most about the defensive backs with Kevin King, Josh Jackson, and Alexander was their tackling. Yes. How solid their tackling was to the point where I'm thinking, you know, the linebackers are supposed to be the best tacklers. And yet these guys are, you know, putting on display how it's done. I mean, a couple of those times there was the tackles that saved a third down conversion because they were able to wrap up so well and didn't give up that extra one or two yards. And the third down I'm thinking the third down I'm thinking of right now is the haha Clinton Dix, who's on redemption, of course. Yeah. And he really, really proved that he's meeting business this uh this season so far. So I'm really excited for him as well. But I'm also thinking about uh the, the Vikings with Kyle Rudolph being 
you know, their great tight end of how they're going to be covering him, whether they're going to be putting a safety on him. Cause I don't, I really don't trust any of the Packer linebackers matching up with him one-on-one unless Oren Burks comes back and really shows what he can do. Oren Burks. I mean, you could also say, I mean, Blake Martinez played a fairly decent game on Sunday. There wasn't a lot of breakout plays for him, but I thought overall, I mean, for a guy that played pretty much the entire game at middle linebacker, he did a pretty good job of kind of running that defense from that middle linebacker oh, spot. Oh, yeah, he does. He has the Stanford brain. He he played 100% of the snaps. And when he only has six tackles, that's a quiet game coming from a guy who tied for the league lead. And But I, I think, as I said before, I think he's the heart and soul of that team's defense, especially with Jake Ryan being down. Yeah, and I, I would say probably you would say he takes over that role of guarding the tight end coming across the middle, especially where it looks like right now Josh Jones, he didn't participate in practice on Wednesday, and he's probably the one guy that – the, at least the one you would go to to take over that role, kind of that hybrid you know, defensive, or, uh, defensive back linebacker role that can guard the tight end across the middle – you mentioned Oren Burks. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. It would be really nice to have a guy like him back, someone that can blitz from that middle, that linebacker position, or even from the outside, because and I know you kind of want to touch on this too. Clay Matthews, we all know, <laughs> we all saw. If you watch football at all, you saw how poor of a performance that was on Sunday. And there's got to be some kind of answer for him today or on Sunday he's either got to step up almost right away or you've got to have a plan in place for who's going to take over for him. Is it Reggie Gilbert? Does Warren Burks move to the outside? I think that the two, two things to do is put his feet to the fire and start Reggie Gilbert. I really think that you should start Reggie Gilbert and Nick Perry as the outside linebackers. Clay Matthews pro football focus. They ranked him dead last 74th out of 74 outside linebackers. He didn't have a single pressure. I think he he messed up more plays than he made, and I, I think it's it's like watching it's like watching you know a grandparent that's getting old and wearing down, and you hate seeing it because that's the way it seems. Because from 2009 to 2014, he was I'd say one of the best pass rushing outside linebackers in the league, and it's unfortunate, but he's just losing. He's lost not just a step, but a step or two. Well, and it's it's even more so that there just seems to be a lack of awareness of what's going on in the play, reading a play correctly. There's players that can that struggle as they go throughout their career with injuries and the wear and tear and you know losing a step, but just the general I feel lack of awareness of how the play is developing or where to put yourself in the right position just doesn't seem to be there. And I I would agree with you. I, I would not be against starting Reggie Gilbert at that off at that outside linebacker position, at least for the first couple of snaps. Obviously you still, I think rotate in Clay Matthews, but I think send a message to him. Start exactly. Reggie Gilbert. And I really think that his boneheaded penalty at the end of the oh. game on fourth down, I can't imagine you were there in person, I cannot imagine the the reaction from the crowd. But that that play there uh, exemplified everything. That was his frustration, the fact that he was never able to get to the quarterback, and that was him just 
laying it all out, showing everybody his frustration. And that's what just got him a huge penalty that I thought was going to cost them the game. I, I definitely thought it was the game too, because that put them just close enough where they only needed about 25, 30 more yards to get into field goal range. There was still a minute 50 or so left in the game. I, I for his credit, Clay Matthews stepped up and took responsibility for that play. And the one that I was talking about before he came on, that terrible gif that I've seen all over Facebook of him completely <laughs> overrunning the play, knocking down his own player as Mitchell Trubisky runs the end zone, just completely overaggressive. And you cannot have that against the Vikings. You can You can almost get away with it in the Bears game just because of the circumstances, the the comeback and the momentum, I think, played a lot more into it. But there are questions that need to be answered for this defense, and it starts with Clay Matthews. He's got to be better. Yeah, he's got to be more patient. You know, That was a quarterback read, by the way, when he overran that play. Imagine if that was against a Cam Newton or a Deshaun Watson. I mean, right. the fact that that happened against Mitch Trubisky of all, of all quarterbacks really speaks volumes. Because uh, a, a more mobile quarterback or a more experienced one will find a way to exploit that more often than not. You know that that there is a an example of a of a baseball player swinging for the fences instead of trying to get on base. Right, and the, except the different the difference is there's one guy at the plate. He's one of eleven, and he seemed to be kind of a net negative almost overall. Oh yeah, because you know Clay Matthews, he had the worst play of the game, and Reggie Gilbert had the best play of the game. I think when he covered the running back on that wheel route, that easily would have been a touchdown. Yeah, if he didn't go over and cover him, nobody else would have. So I think that deserves that that Reggie Gilbert deserves to start this next game. I would say so, and like we said, defense going to be probably the bigger, the biggest key overall uh, in this game coming up on Sunday against the Vikings. Uh, obviously you should stick around with us on Packaday Podcast throughout the rest of the week leading up to it. We'll probably hear more news, hopefully maybe tomorrow or Friday will uh, be the time that you get more of a definitive answer on what happens with Aaron Rodgers' knee moving forward. A couple of these other players like an Oren Burks and a Mike Daniels who was limited, what they look like going forward. So make sure you stick with us throughout the rest of the week uh, on follow us on Twitter as well. Pack it at pack a day podcast, follow us on all of your streaming sites. where on everything you could possibly want. Now, Spotify, iTunes, Cheesehead TV, make sure that you're following us each and every day, liking us, giving us the reviews, the five stars rating uh, really helps us out as we go forward. Uh, as we wrap up, uh, any final thoughts, Chris, as we finish up our uh, our show today? Well, I have an over-under question for you. Okay. Uh, the Packers have scored 23 points or more in 10 of the last 12 home games against Minnesota. If Aaron Rodgers starts, will they score more or less than 23 points? I think you probably score less than 23, and you're hoping for your defense to step up. I think there I think if he's limited, it's really going to hurt and I think the momentum last week kind of put them over the top. And then 20 of their uh, last 31 games against the Vikings have been decided by 7 points or less. 
you seeing another one of these games? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think this is another drag them out kind of uh, knockdown fight. What do you think? Definitely. I think this is def- this game's going to come down to the minute. You're going to be on the edge of your seat, just like last week. Probably going to lose some more hairs watching this game. But I mean, that's why I love football. Yeah, I know. This is that that was uh, that experience, uh, especially being there. The loudest I've ever heard Lambo ever, and this and probably is the exactly quiet, why you like it. And probably the quietest too when Rogers was down. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. The quietest and the loudest I've ever heard heard Lambo on Sunday. Gotta love uh, it. Make sure that uh, you give Chris and I a follow on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at DK all the way. Uh, Chris is on Twitter as well at Chris Schimmel K R I S. Shimmel, uh, S-C-H-I-M-M-E-L. Damn, right? very there good. We, I, the, only the, what, third or fourth episode together, I finally <laughs> got, uh, got the name down correct. Uh, but for my partner, Chris, I'm Dan Nikonic, uh signing off for this episode of the Pack of Day podcast. Make sure you tune in tomorrow and every other day throughout the rest of the season. And as always, go Pack, go. Go Pack, go. Snap to A-Rod, looking around and waiting. Loves it. Down the right side, Allison in the end zone makes a spectacular catch. Did he hang on? Touchdown! What a throw and what a catch. They beat Kyle Fuller. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo Allison. Snap to Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws the left, got Devontae inside the 10, heads back, cuts left, to the 5, reaches, highlights.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.